This is the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Quick Bites. And we have uh, our guest from last week back for our Quick Bite, and that's Jared McGuire, who's uh, based in Arizona. Uh, now, Jared, as we mentioned last week, has his own home studio, but uh, one of the biggest movements in uh, home recording is podcasting, which, of course, I've heard a bit about. Oh, hang on a minute. We're doing one. Um, so we're going to talk about setting up for a podcast. And it won't be anything like we're doing, but um, just a few tips about the best things to use. And I, I'd see that, once again, Rode microphones, who seem to get plugs every week, uh, are chucking in a load of effort into uh, that area so they can see it being a, a boom business. So let's first of all discuss the, the, the Rode things because they've got that new mixing desk and they've done the podcaster microphones. Have you seen them, George? Uh, I haven't had a chance to try the new uh, releases from Rode yet. I, I, I just read about that desk. It looks like it's got a Bluetooth input and a couple mic preamps in it and I think a built-in recorder and then some pads so that you can put like a in whenever you want. Yeah, sound effect pads. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like customized keys that you can just have there as hotkeys, I guess, and just hit up sound effects and intros and outros and all the rest of it. I think that's really clever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a four-channel, four, four channel, four mic in, it's got a, a phone patch going in, and it's got a USB in, and I'm, I'm, I don't know whether it's a USB out either, because I'm kind of guessing you want to get that stuff off and into a computer so you can edit. Yeah, it's it, it's got a built-in recorder, and, and it can record in the computer as well, so I assume the computer's in and out on the USB. Oh, cool. So I wonder what format you're getting out are you only getting a stereo mix out if you record in that box in that little console i guess i believe so but i haven't been able to get enough details on it just from the magazine article i read well maybe we should take a step backwards and discuss whether you should even bother doing multi-track podcast production if you're just getting started or whether you should just record a mix of you and the interviewers well there's a good point so you spend less time uh, you know painstakingly going through the project, you know, I think it's a very difficult thing to balance the production time that you spend on a podcast with uh, being productive and being consistent. Because if you bog down your production time and you spend six hours on a 20-minute podcast and you expect to do it every week, you, you may, may, may never make it that long. True. And the other thing with multi-track editing too is you can get yourself into a massive mess very quickly. But, you're, yes. but yeah. with, that, with, that, um, with that board, it's kind of really like a... Um, a four-channel interface, I guess. So you're, you're sort of riding the faders live, I'm guessing, and that's mm. how you would do it. Yeah, I mean, if you have, like, local people there, so I, I, I think it's mainly envisioned where you've got a couple of local people that you're doing a podcast for, and then you've got your little eighth-inch input so you can bring in someone on the phone, or maybe also, I guess, the Bluetooth is envisioned as a way of bringing in some other phone in. If it's not going to be through eighth-inch, it'll be through Bluetooth. Um, so in that case, I think the podcast is really, you, you don't have to worry about multi-tracking because you're recording those four people separately on your own and then you just have one phone connection. So mm. you're, you're separated anyways. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the question begs if we're going to sit here and talk about building a little home podcast studio, how do we start with a door? Something fairly simple, just a laptop would do the job? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of debate about that. I mean, the podcasters, it depends. If you're doing an interview show, then you want to have a drop dead reliable way to record that interview because you know that interview you may not be able to get again. Mm. So you know, a lot of podcasters that record interviews use a standalone recorder, like a Zoom or something like that. Yep. So a road with built-in recording could be really really sweet because you've got 
a backup. You could record internally. And if you're recording via USB to a computer, you have two systems running at the same mm. time. And again, anything with an interview, you want to have a backup. So that would be the bare minimum. I think that's what makes the sound devices things popular as well, because they've got built-in recorders and they're mm. pretty simple. Mm. You know, like you can just the mix pre exactly. If you really on a budget, um, the Audio Technica ATR twenty one hundred is like a sixty dollar dynamic mic that has a built-in USB interface and an XLR out. Wow! So <laughs> you can record a backup through USB and then send audio into a mixer wow at the same time and um the sound quality is i mean it's a dynamic mic it's kind of hard to screw up a dynamic mic yeah really badly mm. and it sounds quite quite usable so that's a very inexpensive way to yeah. get into audacity and you're off to your off to the races yeah but what about what about the environment if you're doing a basic podcast well i mean dynamic mics are a little more forgiving um but you don't want to do it in your, you know, your your echoey living room or your really echoey dining room, or you know, you want to start somewhere that's less echoey. So, like a bedroom is going to be a good place to start because they tend to be the less one of the less echoey spaces, mm-hmm. and maybe a walk-in closet if you're really desperate. What sort of podcast are you thinking about, George? One <laughs> <laughs> in the bedroom. Yeah, bedroom. My scene, first yeah. guest is Lola. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> she was a showgirl. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Until her hip, she, she broke her hip. That's right. But uh, so, um, so then, if we do, if we, if we're doing a, if we are doing an interview podcast, uh, we've got to connect to a guest. Uh, I wonder if anyone might have any ideas on that, Robert. I think that's so Robert's phone. Connecting, yeah. <laughs> connecting to a guest. I was I was just speaking with a um uh you know a customer today, and they were this was actually a little bit much higher end. So a local radio DJ um, guy named Steve Dahl, um, and so they were putting together their their podcast, and um, so they have three remote hosts, and then they want to bring in guests. And they also want to be able to multi-track everything because he's got someone who's mixing the show for them after the fact. And so the setup that I suggested for him was to um, basically use Reaper as a DAW just because it's simple and affordable and straight ahead. And then um, <laughs> we had uh, Source Connects Pro in the center and then the two remote hosts using Source Connect Standard. So those two guys or three guys each came in on a separate track on Reaper there. And then between using Source Nexus Pro and Source Nexus Control, they could bring their guests in on any platform they wanted to. So Google Hangouts, Skype, FaceTime, whatever it is. Um, and they could actually bring in all those guests separately, each one on a separate track. So they could you know, have multiple guests all recorded separately, plus the three hosts and a really high quality connection through Source Connect. And then um, they were talking about having an outside producer kind of with an IFB feed so he could come in on one of those Nexus feeds. Um, And depending on how they choose to route it in um, Reaper, the producer could maybe only talk to the three guests, I mean three hosts, and say something like, all right, you got five minutes left or you could say something like, you know, we have another caller coming in and they want to talk about this and that and all right, he'll be in and whatever. So um, things that you start to see happening in like a radio station type context and you can really put it together 
you know, now with um, a couple pieces of software and a laptop and people in their bedrooms as it is. So how about if you're a bit like George and you're recording video, how does that go? It's um, more complicated. <laughs> so, um, so, so often the, the easiest thing to do is, is just record that locally, especially when you get multiple people connected, the amount of bandwidth goes up. So typically when you get the video connections involved, the audio quality drops. Um, because there's just so much bandwidth flying around. But there are some systems, I think, that are able to do, you know, certainly Skype, um, ha- you know, handles video, and um, I believe Zoom can do it. But it, do- it definitely puts a lot more strain on things. And then you also have to worry about, like, all the clothes that are all over your bedroom now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or if Lola's still in bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Wasn't that the point of the podcast? <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> well, I can tell you from experience that doing video adds a tremendous amount of complexity to your life when you add that to your production. Um, having been doing that for eight years now, it's a hell of a lot of work. Um, it's a dramatic increase in cost of production. You have to have a production space that looks good on camera. It's well lit. You have to... Uh, yeah, how do you bring in extra guests? You have a ton more bandwidth. You need more bandwidth. Um, you know, it's it's it's. We heavily rely on Zoom to bring in guests, and we bring in we can bring in multiple guests that way, up to maybe twenty or thirty at the same time. Not that we'd ever do that, but you can. Um, but you know, at the end, we're just capturing Zoom into our video streaming system. We happen to use something called VMix, and um, that's what then combines all of our cameras, all of our elements our video sources, and then we have a separate mixing system for the audio that I handle, so it's not mixed within vMix. It's quite an undertaking. Um, we, we managed to do it with two people running the audio, one, one running audio, one running video, and pull off what we do on that show. But uh, um, I used to do it completely solo. I did everything myself. And when video comes in, the CPU actually starts to become a factor as well. So it's not just about how much bandwidth you have, but how much horsepower your CPU has. Because if you're trying to record all these things separately and um and and maybe you've you know you're trying to do some sort of fancy you know cut out green screen thing and all of a sudden your cpu can start to bring in glitches or you know if it's not powerful enough or you don't have enough ram so it you know i i think you're immediately starting to get into like more of a desktop computer scenario if you're bringing in multiple streams Video. It's hardcore. I mean, it, especially if you're trying to record stems or individual tracks from all the sources and all the cameras. Right. I mean, we don't ever do that on our show. It's always been live to tape, and it's just you know live to drive. Period. Like we've never tried to do a post mix. We do a little post edit occasionally. Well, maybe almost every show we do a quick little post edit, but it's always live to drive because the production post time would be astronomical. Trying to capture, copy, import. Edit, mix, sync render. up. It would, yeah. that would be talk about major production. So time consuming. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, even our even our little podcast, this one. I mean, um, Robbo probably cops the lion's share of making sure uh, there's a decent mix for me to get a haircut. So, just run us through what you do, Robbo, with this one. Okay, so with yeah, our one, so fast, it's like nothing for him. He's just like boom, 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 <laughs> chop, 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 done. <laughs> Fuck, I wish it was. I tell you what. Yeah. Um, so, well, how our podcast works, we uh, we all join up on Source Connect now, uh, and I take a mono recording off Source Connect now of everybody else and record myself on a separate track. Um, so I have basically a backup 
if everything else fails, I've got a backup that I can go to to get the episodes out. Um, but if everything goes to plan, I end up with stems from everybody uh, of their parts that's been recorded and I lay them up, match them up to what I've got from my recording uh, and go through and make all the edits. And then I uh, compress and EQ everybody and tidy them up, make them sound good, but I don't do a, um, any mastering. I just pump that out and I send that down to Andrew and he gives it a haircut and sends it back to me and then I lay that up inside the top and tail and do any little sound effect drops and everything else that need to go in there and then I master it out. So, um, and that goes out as the final mix. So it's a bit of a convoluted process, but it saves me having to do all the layup and the edit so AP and I share that between us. So, um, so yeah, it makes it work. So there you go. That's how we do ours. That's why we sound well, so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And, and so, so Robbo, how often does having the multi-track save you from this or that situation? Uh, and, fuck, there's this guy uh, called Robert who just sends me some rubbish sometimes. Seriously. <laughs> like, fuck, you know, the guy's apparently an audio engineer, but we're yet to see it. <laughs> Uh, look, to be honest oh, with you, I, I actually haven't had to go back to it too often. Um, I think once or twice, some uh, someone. I think George had a technical issue once and missed half a, an episode, and so I had to go back and snip him out of the the mono mix of everything that came off Source Connect and try and match him up with what I did have as a WAV file that he'd sent me. Um, but I think besides that, I, I, I rarely have to go back to it. So yeah, which is good. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good safety net. It's it's probably good when. If there's like a, a collision and people are talking on top of each other, you're able to sort of pick out the, yeah. the proper direction of the conversation. And with us, that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. In fact, that's, yeah. that's the main reason I take care of that. Because as I mentioned, editing, and as you know, Robert and, and George as well, editing a multi-track session you can get yourself into a real mess real quick. You know, it's just, it's the difference between having the, the shuffle and the, and the slip button on Pro Tools and all that stuff when you're making edits. You know, you can, you can get three edits down the track and go, and go back and go, holy shit, what have I done? Very quickly. So, um, so I take care of that, tidy all that yeah. up. And, and then, there's, so AP's basically just got a clean edit ready to, um, to give a haircut to. Yeah, we do have, there are other issues, of course, when you've got um, bad internet connection, you get that time stretch and whatever. So yeah, that can be an issue as well. But that can't be helped. It's just yeah. the nature of the beast, unfortunately. Someone will figure it out one day. How do you handle when we step on each other? Like I just did just now. <laughs> Although I've learned to sort of step on the end of what you're saying, hoping that you're ending your sentence so well, that when I start speaking uh, with the latency, it all lines up. It's pretty up. easy. When we talk over the top of each other, I just take what I've, I, I just cut everybody else out and leave what I've got to say in there. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wondering about that. <laughs> so that's what makes our podcast so boring. It's all you. <laughs> but then my trick is I actually take out the unintelligent <laughs> comments that I do all the way through the show and replace them with things that are really smart. In fact, I just re yeah. I just steal some of your comments and uh, revoice them and send them back to. All right, Andrew, how like like you just redo your stuff all together? Yeah, yeah. Just like, you know that whole thing you, you talked about with uh, with beats. You know, putting beats together and how you know you're creating a third sound. You know, you know, you talked about that 
Robert, yeah. well, you didn't yeah. AP not on the show. As an actor, he says, doing his bit now, um, you know, when, when we were working on, on films, as I started to learn about the, uh, the, the problems that the sound guys had, you'd get the note, watch the overlaps. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess to get this shit back on course, uh, the next yep. step would be uh, microphones. We've, uh, we've spoken about some of the road stuff that's cheap, the 416, that sound very 416 ish and all that sort of stuff. What would, what would you recommend, George? Where would you go if you were saying to someone, you know, this is the mic you should get for your startup podcast studio? Well, the uh, Audio Technica ATR2100 is a really fine, fine place to start. I mean, it's very hard to go wrong with that mic. For $60 US approximately, I mean, it really, it's just a great, simple, dynamic, go-to mic. The USB built-in is meh, not great. But again, if you're starting out and you know have a great sounding recording studio anyway, you won't notice it so much. From there, um, I love the Audio-Technica, um, the AT-875R, their, uh, their basic shotgun mic. Um, it's a very pleasing sounding mic um for not a lot of money under two hundred dollars it still sounds very neutral but you know it's a little bit more hi-fi sounding because it's condenser um that one's really really great um the swiss army knife mic that sounds good on just about everything and works in just about every scenario would probably be the rode nt1 as we've discovered it sounds a heck of a lot like a sennheiser 41.6 and uh it's more affordable if you've got a good space and it's quiet, you'll be able to take advantage of a mic like that. If you have to record like five people in one room, you're definitely going to want to be on dynamic mics because when you're close to each other, condenser mics are a bit more sensitive and they're going to hear, each mic will hear the other four people and you'll have this really big mess of uh, phasing and a weird sounding mix that doesn't sound very good. So you'll definitely want to pick dynamics. So if you're on a real tight budget, again, a bunch of those ATR 2100s is fine. And if you got the budget, something really sweet like a Rode, um, the Rode Procaster or the Shure SM7B. So yeah, or a PL20. What about the Apogee mic, MIC, the Apogee one that's got its own you know, USB plug-in? Yeah, that's fine. If you're just doing a solo person, not trying to do a room, you know, several people on one show together. Um, it's a nice, simple starter mic that sounds really, really nice. I would get the, the, the Apogee Mic Plus, which has headphone monitoring built in. That would be my taste. Um, but uh, it's, a, it's a great sounding mic. But again, condenser, very sensitive. So make sure you have a clean, quiet room with not a lot of reflections. Would you use uh, screens on the mics? Uh, probably. I mean, most yeah. podcasts are close mic'd. You know, because we're kind of generally emulating the sound of radio, so we tend to work the mic kind of close. Yeah. Well, also that way you minimize the room. The closer you are to the mic, the less the room interacts as much as you. You know, it's like the signal-to-noise ratio. Yeah. Closer mic means less room noise and less room reflection, so you get a better, cleaner sound. Yeah. But I was thinking like, you know, the a mudguard or that kind of thing that you put behind the mic if there's more than, you know, a couple of people in one room. Just to eliminate some of the um, the overlap and the bleed from the other person talking. Mm, I don't think the I don't think the screens help that much from from uh, bleed. You know. Yeah, I don't know about the uh, reflections. Would you use only one mic if you've got like two or three people in a room? Wouldn't you have to have a couple of mics really if you're going to go with the dynamics? So it's typically quite a long goes. time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
for quite a long time, Dan and I on VOBS uh, would just use a single condenser mic above us mm. um, because we were sitting so close to together, together that you can't really have, again, two condensers without one phasing with the other one or it just didn't sound very present and clear. And so when I went with a single condenser suspended up above between the two of us, just out of frame or at the edge of frame of the camera frame, it sounded really good. Um, but that's also because we spent a lot of time to get the room sounding really good so we could actually have a condenser mic two feet away. It's kind of funny. I always look at like talk shows and you see like, you know, Johnny Carson and he's got his <laughs> 414 or it used to be a Shure ribbon microphone. And, and it seemed like a lot of the times they never, ever actually really use those desk microphones. And I don't think they were ever live, were they? No, I always thought looks, that. I think there's yeah. someone up there with a, with a boom and, you know, pointing their shotguns at everyone. Or, I, or, I think or they were there for, that. like, just in case, yeah. some just in case some little situation. But for the most part, it never seemed like they were using them. Because no. if not, you would have heard them sure. on and off mic. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, all over the place. Yeah, and they're always just pick, for sure. And they're always touching them as well. You know, picking them up and moving them around. <laughs> yeah, so, I'd be like, yeah, exactly. The other thing is headphones. I think that you know you want to have headphones that block out the. You know, you don't want open air, something closed, closed back that's going to reject some sound and keep the bleed down. Keep you know, especially if you've got remote connections, so that you don't hear the little echoing from the headphones and the remote connection coming back at you. I just uh, I just put on Facebook uh, an article from um, NPR, the guy that does the little tiny the tiny desktop um, concerts on NPR. He does a whole thing on headphones and uh, the recommendations. It's really a comprehensive uh, guide. It's there on Facebook, folks. Yeah, I saw it. I actually read yeah. that. I saw your post and had a bit of a read. Mm. And the funny thing was the uh, cos the little uh, I think they're called mm. Pro something. You know, the the, the and they're like nineteen eighties. You know, foam Walkman headphones, yeah. Yeah. and I, I actually bought a pair of those from B and H when I was there and used them for editing. They're fine. They're very good. Cost yeah. Porta Pros. Yeah, I still have a pair. Mm. Oh, you, I, yeah. I actually like using the earbuds, the, the ones with the, like the little like like not the Apple style ones that are kind of hard, but the the ones that kind of like have the uh, oh, the rubber sort of like end. mushroom cap. That yeah, yeah. Pops in your ear. The those give a lot of isolation, um, and and they're. If I find them comfortable, they're small, so they're easy to travel with. Yeah, I've got a pair of Sennheiser ones. The problem I find with them is they, um, it must be my ear canal, uh, they keep falling out. Yeah, I, yeah I'm with you there. Mm. So, so um, okay, so to wrap this up, uh, we've recorded our stereo mix of our podcast and we've edited it all up, got it sounding snazzy. Uh, Robert? What delivery specs do I use on my stereo mix to upload to Libsyn or wherever I'm doing it? How would you deliver it? Uh, good question. So, I mean, what, what kind of average level are you mixing to? Like, you know, like average minus 14? Well, or, I mix to minus you, 20 you, only because that's what I do for TV here. Okay, yeah. So, so you find some sort of average level that works so that you don't sound low, but you're also not rudely loud on whatever format you are, which I imagine is somewhere between minus 20 and... Maybe minus fourteen at the loudest. If not, you're starting to get into like really rock and roll CD territory. Um, and then it's a podcast. You know, I would I would go with a high bit rate MP3 would be fine if you're looking for a you know a quick delivery that's going to be easy to download and everyone's going to be able to play it on whatever you know system mm-hmm. that they have. So here's another one for you. I um I pan our I pan our podcast. I've got some left, some right. 
sum up the middle, just to sort of give it a bit of stereo image. Do you reckon on a podcast that's a good idea? I don't know. I've, I've thought about it. Why do I bother? I think it sounds well, good personally, I, I, but then I'm an I, audience. I think it's awesome. a nice touch. I, I do yeah. it on radio spots that have a little bit of dialogue. I think it creates a sense of space and helps hold some interest and it creates clarity actually yeah, as well. That's right. um, certainly can't do that without the multi-tracks, obviously. No. Well, you um, could if you were putting it, if you put it down that way, I guess. You'd have to do it from the very beginning, yeah. To connect in stereo, yeah. Um, I but think it's I, a nice I, touch. I think it's a nice touch, basically. It's pretty, like, that's pretty... Like if you're really refining the craft, you can. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of the audience doesn't notice things like that. And if they do, it's subtle. They they might notice it, but they might not consciously notice it. But they just notice it as wow, that sounded good, mm. but mm. not not why. It's there for That's us, right. yeah. yeah. It's there for the audio That's geeks right. in the audience. Geek out. I think it does have an end result on the experience, even if someone doesn't know. Ooh, they were panned, <laughs> but. Like it sounded nice, yeah. but, but this is what you're saying is that the quality of audio for podcasts now has come a long way. You know, the people now are expecting to have really good quality audio. Yeah. Well, the other pod, another podcast that I work on, um, we did. Well, long story short, we did Rocktober, um, and I built a custom intro for the show to reflect. You know what Rocktober used to be. I'm sure you had Rocktober in the states there as well. <clears throat> I remember um, it from Mars, yeah. Yeah, well, it was a big, a big built this big three-minute intro. It took me half a day <laughs> for four episodes. But um, so, yeah, but I, I guess, the, and the reason I'm telling you that is because I think, yes, I think you're right. I think podcasting is now moving on to the next stage where it's going to be, you know, if you really want to stand out, you've got to put that extra bit of effort in. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. So there we go. So then you get your cassette tape out and you mail it to everybody, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's my podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How to get noticed. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> God. My, my, my son, my 15-year-old son found my cassette Walkman the other day that I've, I've only oh, kept for posterity. Oh, sweet. And, yeah. and, and, and I had to try, because I don't have any cassettes anymore. <laughs> I had to try to explain to him what a cassette was and how it worked. And he's going, what, it moved? He's like, yeah, yeah, that, like the, the tape rubbed against the heads and there was a, yeah, oh, and it, he just didn't get the, it. Yeah. The thing is, is like they're coming back. I mean, my daughter wanted a Polaroid camera for Christmas. Oh, and God, I was like, are you serious? Well. Really? Uh, and, um, yeah. and cassette tapes are like making a vengeance. I've like, got about you know, 400 bands. <laughs> My wife yeah. was in the record industry and she got, all, got everything, you know, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've got vinyl and, and and cassettes and every possible way the music was recorded. We've got it filling up my yeah. my studio actually. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go find my DAT recorder because I found a, a bloopers oh. tape from um from my radio days back in '94 that I'm fanging to listen to. <laughs> I might play it on next week's I, show if I, I can. I do get have it off. a working DAT machine. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Oh, you better send that tape. I over might send to it over Robert. to you to get it off, but I can't remember what's on it. You might, I might not want you to hear it. <laughs> mini discs. Yeah, yeah mini I've got discs. a mini disc. Ooh, yeah. I've got a mini disc player. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They were great, actually. I, I like the mini yeah. disc. Yeah, mm. very good. Anyway, we digress. How about the digital compact compact cassette? Yeah. Now there's another one. Anybody remember yeah, that? No. Vaguely. <laughs> no. Like, no. It was a it was a cassette that. Was digital. I, I vaguely just like remember that. Tape. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. It was sort of datish. Oh, wasn't the Betamax of ones. cassettes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've got a Betamax. Have you? <laughs> and it still works. Yeah. 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 I've still got anyway. a VHS player. But anyway, there you go. Rad hole. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other show for another day. Yeah. We should get out of here. 
Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Getting into nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, thank you, Jared, for joining us on our wonderful show about podcasting. And on that note, yeah, we're out of here. It's fun. Thanks. That was the Pro Audio Suite. If you have any questions or ideas for a show, let us know via our Facebook, the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. You're for trouble.